everyone say, all righty. Uh, this morning, I want to wrap up a short three-week series I've been doing that covers some of the events that took place on the road to Jericho. Um, interesting facts, two fun facts. Jericho is the oldest city in the world. The oldest inhabited city in the world. It was there from ancient times, and we're talking about Joshua days, and we're talking about modern times today. It's also the lowest city in the world, at 250 metres below sea level, and it's a kilometre below Jerusalem. Uh, and a few people in that church who visited, who were here last week, who visited, they said it's probably one of the dirtiest cities in the world as well. Um, so in my first message that I shared, I talked about the ancient city of Jericho. Before Israel could go and possess the promised land, they had to deal with the walls of Jericho. And we explored the walls in our own life where we need God's help to demolish. Things that are so big and daunting that we can't do it by ourselves. Maybe it's fear or anxiety or unforgiveness or our thought life or our habits. There's walls we all face and that walls that restrict us from entering to God's promises. So we, that was the first message we, I shared. That's on Facebook or on our podcast if you're interested in that. Um, last week we fast forwarded 1400 years uh, to first century Jericho. And by this time, uh, a moderate, much better climate than Jerusalem. It was a kilometre below. Um, King Herod would build a palace in, uh, on, the, on the outskirts of Jericho. It was a place of great industry and trade. It was a place for the rich and the famous. But also, because of it was a place for the rich and the famous, it was a perfect place for beggars, for thieves, for people who are wanting to make the most out of... Uh, out of well, all that type of thing that's attracted when there's money around. And it's the perfect scene. Jericho is the perfect scene for the story Jesus would tell of a, of a Jewish man going on a walk from Jerusalem to Jericho. The road to Jericho was the scene of a story where uh, the only per this, this man was beaten up by, by thieves and robbers and left to die until an unlikely Samaritan came by and saved his life. So today I'm not going to be talking about that story or those people. But I do want to set the context of the story that we're talking about. We're going to look at, last week we looked at Mark's uh, account of the story of blind Bart Ma Thank you, Bartimaeus. A whole range of great names. Some people guessed the name of your boy, didn't they? It's a, was it Bartimaeus, Marty? Was that, the, uh, was that the one you guessed? Just can't say. Alright, I've got another one for you today. Uh, this time we get to so Mark and Luke tell the same story. So we're going to look at Luke's account of this in Luke chapter 18. We'll go to verse 35. Now this is the story from last week. As Jesus <coughs> approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. When he heard the pardon me. <coughs> When he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked what was happening. They told him that Jesus the Nazarene was going by. So he began, began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, the people in front yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. And when the man came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see. 
And he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it, praised God too. Now, Mark in his telling of the story gives the blind man his name. His name was Bartimaeus. And last week we saw that Bartimaeus could have remained sidelined on the dusty streets of Jericho. He could have remained, you know, I'm blind, I can't see, I'm just going to sit here and mope and have a pity party, and, and I, I'm blind, what can I do? My life is no good. But we see that Bartimaeus, he knew who to ask, he knew where to, he knew where to call out to, he knew where to go, and he knew what to ask. And so on those dusty streets of Jericho, Bartimaeus received his miracle. He received not just his sight, but for a beggar, he was begging because he had no, he, unable to work. But all of a sudden, just receiving his vision restored to him so much more as he became a follower of Jesus. So this morning, I want to continue along the road to Jericho. We, we followed along and we've seen in Luke chapter 18 what happened with Bartimaeus. But let's continue. Let's go to Luke chapter 19, verse 1. So Jesus now enters into Jericho and he makes his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. Amani, was that the name that you guessed for the baby? Come on. Zacchaeus. Let's call him Zach. Okay. Now, Zacchaeus, his, his name means pure, just, and righteous. But the problem we have here is there is a disconnect between his name and his actions. There's a disconnect between his identity, who he was, and what he did. Second half of the verse tells us that he was the chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich. I've said it before, tax collectors in the first century did not work for the Israeli tax office. This was not taxes that they collected to, to help build roads or to, or to or build educational facilities. They did have a temple tax, the Jews did have a temple tax to look after the temple. But this wasn't the taxes that they were collecting here. These were taxes to fill Rome's banks. There were taxes of tolls, or tolls on roads, all the trade, and tributes to Caesar. And so there was a lot of money to be made by collecting taxes. So if you're a wealthy Jew, you can make a bid to the Romans. And you can say, oh, well, it's a bit like bidding for a contract. And you can be contracted out to win the, uh, well, win the contract to collect taxes on behalf of the Romans. And of course, if you win that contract, you're then able to add a nice little slice on top for yourself. And so tax collectors, they weren't particularly popular. In fact, as you read the Gospels, they're described as, a, as you'd have sinners and tax collectors. So you've got the worst of the worst. You've got, think of the worst sinners you can imagine. Jesus categorizes them as you've got sinners, and then you've got tax collectors. These guys were pretty bad. They were despised by their, by their fellow Jews, uh, and they were viewed as unclean and unpopular. Perhaps if in today's world, maybe they were like the, the head of a drug or crime gang today. And they were exploiting and extorting others, even their, their friends, their neighbours, for their own financial gain. And so given the fact that Jericho was a very wealthy city, and given the amount of trade that was taking place in Jericho, it's not surprising to find a high-ranking tax collector in Jericho. In fact, the Bible tells that he was a, the chief tax collector of the region. You're, you may remember the story of one of Jesus' disciples. His name was Matthew. 
or, or Levi, depending what gospel you read. Now, Matthew was also a tax collector. And, uh, but Matthew was a low-level tax collector. What we find is that it's very likely that someone like um, Zacchaeus was Matthew's boss. And not surprisingly, because of this hierarchy of tax collecting and making money for themselves, Zacchaeus had become very rich. And so last week we we talked about a blind man who had a physical problem that made him poor. This morning I want to talk about a rich man who also had a physical problem, but that made him blind. It affected what he could see. So, in verse... Talking about Zacchaeus. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. You can probably relate to this. Have ever been to a um, maybe concert and or a movie and you sit down and the biggest person in the world sits in front of you? Here's yeah. happy you happen to you all the time, Fiona. Anyone else? <laughs> Jenny, anyone else want to say that? That's my life. <laughs> Oh, I mean, or you go to a, a church service and you're sort of trying to move and then the person in front of you is moving and you... It happens all the time. Okay, so this is what's going on with Zacchaeus. He was short. He was a wee little man. And uh, a wee little man was he. And so, so Zacchaeus had a problem. He was, he, had, he was rich, but his physical limitations affected his ability to see. And so here's the story. Everyone's heard about Jesus. Uh, Jesus is on his way through, uh, into, on the roads of Jericho, to road to Jericho, and he just healed Bartimaeus. Could you imagine the crowd and the noise and the people that were there? Jesus has just done an amazing miracle, and the crowd were following Jesus into Jericho, through the streets of Jericho, and there we got Zacchaeus thinking, well, I'm not going to see a thing, because I'm so sure. And so, and that. The crowds were curious because is Jesus going to do another miracle? Yeah, there's something about us humans who like to be, who like to see the miracles and like to see the sensational things. And so, in old in Jerusalem, uh, they were just really interested. Is Jesus going to do another miracle? A bit like a celebrity. What's he going to do next? What's he going to say next? And so Zacchaeus also wanted to see Jesus, and he was he was. In fact, it says that um, he tried to get a look at Jesus. I wonder if he'd ever seen Jesus before. I wonder if he was thinking, I wonder what he looks like. I've heard so much about Jesus. I've heard the noise that Jesus makes. I just want to see him. I I just want to have a glimpse of him. Now, I wonder where Zacchaeus had heard about Jesus. Could it be, if you remember the story when Matthew started following Jesus... That the Bible tells us that uh, Matthew got up from his tax collector's booth and that Matthew threw a party and, and, and Jesus went to the party, but at Matthew's party, other tax collectors were there, other notorious sinners. Could it be, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I'm just putting it out there, could it be that Matthew invited Zacchaeus, hey Zacchaeus, I've got a party, Jesus is going to be there. Maybe he heard about Jesus. Maybe he heard about Jesus through Matthew's story. Maybe he'd heard about Jesus through his other uh, tax collectors that were hearing stories and, and passing a message around. Maybe Matthew was praying for his boss. Maybe Matthew was, after Matthew had an encounter with Jesus and was radically changed, maybe Matthew was praying for his 
old boss. And maybe Zacchaeus was wondering, Matthew was one of my best employees and now he's no longer with me. What, what's happened that's changed his life around? So we don't know exactly what's going on, but what we do know is that Zacchaeus tried to see Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. But like that, Zac did not allow his limitations as an excuse to avoid him. Sure, he was short. Zacchaeus was lacking height. And that meant what he, that, that did affect what he could see. Now before we, we judge Zacchaeus for being a tax collector, before we judge Zacchaeus for, for exploiting and extorting and, and living a life that wasn't particularly pleasing God, or before we tease Zacchaeus about his stature, Paul tells us in Romans that we're all a little short. We're all a little short. We're all a little lacking. Romans 3.23 says, for, all, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. We're all a bit lacking. We're all a bit short. Zacchaeus didn't hide away from Jesus because of his, his lack. Zacchaeus didn't get depressed thinking he was a loser. Zacchaeus didn't think, I'm never going to be tall enough or good enough. He knew no one liked him. He knew that he had ripped off people and abused his neighbours. But Zacchaeus understood that he needed to do something. He couldn't stay the way he was. He had to change his perspective. He had to change his point of view about himself and about Jesus. And so, in verse 4, so he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore fig tree beside the road. Can you, can you visualise? He had to physically, for him to see Jesus, he had to physically climb a tree, change his point of view, get a different perspective. Climbed up the tree, for Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said. Quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Now Zacchaeus all along thought he was looking for Jesus. But here we discover Jesus is looking for him. At the end of the story, it's not surprising because Jesus says the Son of Man, well, the, the, Luke writes the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. Jesus came looking. Friends, Jesus is looking. Where are we? Where are you this morning? So Jesus comes past the tree and he stops under the sycamore tree. He looks up and he calls Zacchaeus by his name. He doesn't say, hey you, tax collector, come down here. He doesn't say, hey you, you're a sinner, you come down here. He doesn't say, loser, get out of the tree. He doesn't say, unwanted person or unloved person, get down. Jesus calls Zacchaeus by what he was created and called to be. Jesus calls him by his name. Jesus declares his identity over him. He says, you know, your name is Zacchaeus. He's saying, Jesus acknowledging the, the pure, the just, the right one, that's the person we want. I want you to come down. I don't want your, you're, you're not a sinner. You're not defined by what you've done. You're defined by who Jesus calls you to be. I want to say that again. You are not defined by your history. 
You are not defined by your history. Your identity is not determined by what you've done and the mess and the pain and the disappointments and the regrets. That is not who you are defined by. That is not what Jesus calls out over you. He calls out over you who you're called to be, your name. He declares with Zacchaeus, yeah, you may be like that. You may have done that. But I see you, I declare over you that you are pure, that you are righteous, and you are just. Does that mean that Jesus ignores and disregards our sin? Not at all. He died for that. He died for our sin. He doesn't disregard it. He, he, he paid the price for our sin. He came just for us, to seek us and to find us. And he died on the cross to save us and to set us free from the chains of sin and despair. He says, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to come to your house. Jesus is looking for someone today that is willing to host him. Jesus is looking for someone that is willing to allow him to come into their home, into their life, willing to take him into their mess, maybe. When we um, had kids, we used to get a... Um, I think we got, we still got kids, thank you, we still got our kids, just clarifying that, okay. <laughs> Um, I remember when, but at that time we were able to get some cleaning coming in the babies. So we got some cleaners to come in. And I remember we used to run around trying to clean the house before the cleaner came. Anyone else do that? You've got a cleaner coming and you're going to clean. Sometimes we view Jesus like that. We say, Jesus, I don't want you to see my mess. I, I know you're going to come into my life or my house, but let me just quickly run home and tidy up a bit, put some things away, shove some things under the carpet. Do you understand what I'm saying? We do that. And we, and we don't want Jesus to come and... Could it be that he wants to come and help us clean up the mess? And we, and we leave him on the outside while we try to fix up on the inside. He's saying, I'm the one who can fix up what's on the inside because you can't do it. Revelation 3.10 says, Jesus says, Look, I, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And I'll share a meal together as friends. Hey, I want to encourage you. Are you willing to host Jesus? Are you willing to, to allow him into your heart, into your life, into the bits that you've, the doors you've locked or the, or the stuff you've swept under the carpet? Are you, are, you, are, you, are you willing? If he says to you, I want to come, I want to, come to your house today, what will you say? Um, can you give me 10 minutes? That's what Jesus says that to Zacchaeus. Jesus knew the mess of a life that Zacchaeus lived, and Jesus was not afraid of his mess. Jesus is not afraid of the, of, of, of his, of the dirt and, the, and the, the chaos of his world. I want to come to your house today. I don't know what to do with that. Jesus is calling. <laughs> Softly and tenderly, is that right? <laughs> Alright. Okay, so Jesus says to Zacchaeus, Hey, come down, I want to come to your house today. 
And in verse, oh, sorry, here we go. Um, you know, being willing for Jesus to come into your house is great. Thumbs up if you're willing. Of course we're all, yeah, I'd love Jesus. I want Jesus in my life. I want in my world. Desire is great. It's a good starting point. But we must do something about desire. Good intentions can be deceiving. We can have the best intentions for our Christian life and we can think, yeah, I really want to give my life and serve the Lord. And the best intentions, but it requires action. We need to hear the call of Jesus and then do something about it. And so Zacchaeus quickly climbs down the tree and takes Jesus to his house with great excitement and joy. When Zacchaeus heard his name spoken by Jesus, it filled him with joy. Dave touched on this morning. Friends, if you can hear the voice of Jesus, see the face of Jesus, and hear him call your name, he's he's not calling out a name, he didn't call Zacchaeus by what he was, he calls the keys by who he, who he would be, who he's called him to be. So I imagine when Zacchaeus heard his name, he leapt out of the tree and he took Jesus to his home. And I don't care, when, when we allow Jesus into our home, into our lives, it should fill us with excitement and joy. Because he's not there to judge us. He's not there to beat us up. He's not there to, to point out you missed that spot. You know, you didn't clean up that bed. He's not there at all to, to condemn us or criticise us or judge us. The keys was filled with joy, but unfortunately not everyone was as excited as Zach was. In verse 7, the people were displeased. He has gone to, that get, to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Now, I don't want to spend too much time on this particular thought. But we can be so quick to judge. We can be so quick to form opinions. We can be so quick to take sides. We can be so quick to be critical and so quick to condemn. They say we we often criticise what we don't understand. It's easy to do. It's easy for us to look at someone else's situation and and make an opinion. And and I want to encourage us, let's work not to do that. Let's, let's, let's allow the grace of God, let someone, let, let them see what happens in their life when they experience the grace of Jesus. It's easy for us to do. Because we need to understand at some point in our history, at some point in every single one of our, our history, Jesus came into your life. He came into my mess. He didn't judge me, he didn't criticise me, he didn't condemn me. He, he, at some point, for, if you're a follower of Jesus, at some point, he came into your darkness and your and, and the, the chaos of your world. Now, you may not be a tax collector. You, you may not be as bad as Zacchaeus was. But we all fell short of God's standard. Each one of us falls short but for the grace of Jesus, all one of us, every one of us will never be good enough for a relationship with God, the Father. And that's why Jesus came. We all fall short of God's standard. And so maybe when you see people doing stuff, 
and living lives that are not what you think is the best, maybe we can show them grace. Even if we don't think they deserve God's grace, maybe we can show them grace because He showed us grace. He showed us grace. He forgave us when we were at our very worst. And so if He can do it for us, can we believe and pray that He can do it for others? Verse 8. Meanwhile, to all the people were outside carrying on, meanwhile Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. It's amazing what happens when people are transformed by Jesus. It's amazing what happens when, when, we, when we experience His grace and His forgiveness. In fact, the Old Testament, I mean, you may look at Zacchaeus' response and go, what, what, what's he doing there? In the Old Testament, if a, if a thief voluntarily confesses to stealing something, you find in Leviticus, it tells us that, okay, I've, I've acknowledged that I've, I've, I've sinned and I've, I've stolen money from you. According to the, the Old Testament law, I need to repay the money plus 20%, and I need to go to the priest and, and offer a sacrifice for my sin. And so that's if the, if the thief voluntarily confessed. 20% penalty. Uh, if it was something that couldn't restore, like if, uh, if they stole a cow and the cow and then ate it, uh, if they couldn't, they couldn't restore the cow, couldn't restore what was taken, the Old Testament law would say that they needed to give four cows back. And so, so okay, I took your cow, and so you can have now the cow I took, and four others, so five cows. So, and then if it's something you could restore, okay, look, I stole your cow, um, you busted me, uh, you now get two cows. And so that's the Old Testament law. It gave them a process. If you were stealing or robbing, there is a consequence to your actions. Now, Zacchaeus knew the law. He knew that he had failed in upholding the law, and so he knew what he ought to do to make things right. But he was so transformed by God's grace. He was so transformed that Jesus was interested in him, and Jesus showed him forgiveness, or Jesus, Jesus came into his world, that he didn't care about, I've got to just pay back as little as I can. He went over and above. He no longer cared about money. He no longer cared about his possessions. He no longer cared about his wealth or his achievements. These things for Zacchaeus, when he encountered the grace of Jesus, these things were no longer in control of him. The things that once defined him, the things that used to control him, were no, had no longer had any hold on, G on Zacchaeus. He was set free. Can you see what's happening with Zacchaeus? He is no longer what he was. He is now the person who Jesus called him to be. He was righteous. He was just. So Jesus responds in verse 9. Salvation has come to this home today. For this man has so shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. Did you see that Zacchaeus didn't get down on his knees and say the sinner's prayer? Can you see that, that Zacchaeus didn't, didn't repent in, in dust and ashes? Well, we, well, we, well, you can't see those things, but what you can see is that the fruit of his 
response to Jesus, it was a fruit of generosity. It was, he showed the fruit of repentance. You know, sometimes you may, you look at people in your world, sometimes you may never ever hear them say a sinner's prayer. But I want you to look at them through the eyes of Jesus. I want you to look at them and see if they have a living a life that is honouring Jesus. Because sometimes we, may, we can be quick to judge what's going on when they've already encountered grace and they're already living in a way that is honouring the Lord. <coughs> Alright. Let's wrap the series up. The road to Jericho. Along the road to Jericho are all sorts of people. The rich, the poor, the blind, the beggars. Along the road to Jericho you'll find all sorts of people. People have got it all together. People who think they've got it all together. And people whose lives are falling apart. Along the road to Jericho you find people struggling with all sorts of battles. Health battles, marriage battles, identity battles, financial struggles. Along the streets, along the road to Jericho you find people that are anxious and lonely and blind and discarded and unloved. People that feel anxious. Chances are there is someone on the road to Jericho. Chances are there is someone on that road that looks just like you. That looks just like me. It could be a Bartimaeus. It could be a Zacchaeus. It could be a Mark. On the road to Jericho, beaten like the, the story of the Good Samaritan. I want to let you know this morning. I feel, I feel the Lord wants you to know this morning. He sees you. He sees you. He notices you. And he's calling you to come. And you say, but what about the stuff that I don't like talking about, the stuff that I'm struggling with, the stuff that I'm embarrassed about, the stuff that I have regrets about, the stuff that I'm disappointed about. What about that stuff? He sees that stuff, but that's not how He defines you. He defines you by your name. He defines you by what He speaks out of you. He knows, I just, I just know this, there's people here this today that are struggling because you've got stuff going on on the inside and you're saying, oh, this, I'm not a, full of shame or guilt or all that type of stuff. I want to let you know that Jesus sees that and he doesn't, that, that doesn't define you. He calls you by what He's called you to be. And He calls you like He calls Zacchaeus. As a pure and righteous and just. That is how He defines you. Yeah, we still stuff up. Yeah, we make mistakes. But that's not what defines us. That is not our identity. Our identity is found in Christ. The Bible tells us that we are in Christ. And so, I'm going to get a team up, thanks, Ben. So maybe you're here this morning and you feel unseen. Or maybe you're trying to be unseen. Maybe you're, maybe you're, you're trying to, you're, you're happy to be small stature. You're happy not to have Jesus see you. You're quite comfortable if you can avoid Him because of the stuff that's going on the inside. I think there's people here this morning who feel like Zacchaeus. 
Maybe you feel defined by your history. Maybe you hear you're lost in fear or hopelessness. Or in self-doubt or despair. Maybe you're here and, and you're unsure of who am I? Where do I fit in this world? Where do I belong? Maybe you're here and you're saying, That's what you're saying. Let me tell you, don't feel like that. <laughs> you should be going, oh yes, because I can come to Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and you're wondering, what is Jesus really like? Like the key, you see, you wanted to see, what is Jesus really like? Maybe it's you this morning, and, and yeah, because all your stuff, you're wondering, how will he treat me? If, if, I, if I allow him to my home, what will he think about my mess? What is it really like? We, we see what it's really like. Don't let me tell you. Let the scripture tell you. We see that Jesus was happy to go into his world. In fact, the Bible tells us he came to seek and save those who are lost, those who are messed up and far from him. So maybe, if you're wondering what he's like, maybe you've never experienced him. Maybe you've never been overwhelmed by his grace. I, I don't know, maybe, maybe you've never come to a place where Jesus looks at you and he sees you and you see him. All of a sudden your heart is filled with life and joy as you, as you discover his forgiveness can, can, can cleanse you and give you a fresh new start. Maybe you've never met him. Maybe the Jesus you, you sort of, you associate with God's the, the dad and, and Jesus is the son. God's the, the, God's the mean guy who's judging me and Jesus is a pretty cool dude, you know. But, but maybe you've never realized that he is intently for you and he's not against you. Maybe you've never seen him. Maybe you've been in church for decades and you've never seen him. And you've never allowed him to look up and see you in that tree. Maybe today you need to get a better point of view. Maybe today is the day you change your perspective. Maybe today is the day you climb a tree. Maybe today is the day that you, you, you ask someone to pray for you. You can't stay sitting on the sides of the streets of Jericho as you are. Jesus calls us to come to him and walk with him, not on the dusty sidelines of this, of this road to Jericho, but to walk with him as he walks forward into the kingdom. Maybe you're here this morning, I've got a lot of maybes, so like a, like a scatter gun, maybe one of these will get you. Maybe this morning you need to make things right. Maybe there's stuff that you've done, said, that you know you're forgiven and you're so grateful for God's grace. But you know, you know what? I need to bring that person up and say sorry. Maybe you need to have a coffee. Maybe you need to let someone know that you let them down or disappointed them. My last maybe. I'm oh, sorry, maybe. And names are important. What's your name? Have you ever, I'm sure you have at some stage, you probably can't remember. I'm sure your parents didn't go any, meeny, miny, mo. If your parents were Christians, I'm sure they spent a bit of time praying and considering, what am I going to name my child? Maybe you had a 
And neighbor is named after Samson in the Bible was strong. Maybe you had a name that was Philip. Maybe you don't have a biblical I've got, I've got two biblical names, so I'm pretty crazy. Who's got a biblical name? Yeah, Adam, come on. They, you can't get earlier than yours, mate. Okay. So, <laughs> Adam to Zacchaeus, A to Z. But maybe you, you ha, I don't know, have a look at what your name means. And, but, but the challenge I had at that point is you might be here and you're thinking, you know what? I'm not living up to what I'm called to be. I'm not living up to the name that either was given to me. The Bible tells me in Revelation that Jesus gives us a new name. He writes it on the stone. Maybe today Jesus wants to give you a new name. A name that's not defined by your past. A name that is not, 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 not controlling or, or is limiting you. A name that is keeping you short in stature. A name that means you'll never rise up to be all you've got, God's called you to be. Maybe today he's going to give you a new name. And let me tell you something about that name. It's a good name. It's like the black as it is. It's righteous. It's just. He's going to declare it. I believe this morning, uh, in a moment we're going to uh, close the song, but I believe this morning God's going to be speaking names over people. For those of us who are um, doing the, the, the prophetic course at the moment, you, you understand what I'm talking about. But maybe God's got a new name for you. And uh, what I want to do something a bit different this morning. So, um, Um, in a minute when we close the service if you're, if you're here and I want to encourage our we've got a prayer team we've also got something about that you're doing the, the prophetic course if you're part of that cluster as well I'd love you to come forward in case people want to respond but I really believe today God wants to declare his name over you and we'll have some people who would love to pray for you. Or, uh, and in a moment, I'm going to uh, ask God to speak over you where you're at. And you might hear from heaven. You might hear God say, you know what? It doesn't, it doesn't mean you're going to go and change your name at the, off, at the service New South Wales. Okay? You don't need to do that. But I'm declaring a, a, a spiritual name over you. So maybe you're here and you're struggling with your identity. You're trying to struggle. Where do I fit? Where do I belong? Who am I? Maybe today God's going to speak life over you and you're going to walk out of here. Yeah, still Mark, but, but, but a Barnabas or I don't know, that's me. What about you? What's, what's God speaking out over you today? So my last thought, two things here. Some people need to climb a tree. Some people need to change their perspective. Some people actually need to do something different to get a better view on who Jesus is. Zacchaeus did that. And so maybe today, there's someone who's got to do something that they normally don't normally do. Normally don't normally do. They don't do normally. Some people need to climb a tree, change their perspective. Other people need to get out of the tree. Good intentions. Jesus, yes, I want all that, Lord. Well, you do something about it. Get out of the tree. Let Jesus come into your house. Let, let give him access. Do it. Allow him into your world. 
climb a tree, get out of a tree, I don't care. And then the Lord's saying, will you do something? Do not sit on the streets of Jericho. Do not sit on the, on the road to Jericho and do nothing. Jesus is calling. He called Bartimaeus. He calls Zacchaeus. And he calls every single one of us to come to him, to allow him into our world, to receive his grace, to, to receive his, the, the name he declares over us. What are we going to do about it? Why don't we all stand? That's, a, that's an easy one. You can easily stand.